Amen. That's good stuff, yeah? Would you bow with me, please? Whether in person or whether online this morning, maybe you find yourself like this is a reverse altar call. Or you identify with some of the words in that song that says, maybe I have nothing left. I'm anxious and got stress and stuff rising on the inside of me, and I really would just love for the Lord to intervene and help me to live in peace. If that's you today, will you raise your hand? Hands up everywhere. So before we even get into the word, let's just go to him. God, thank you that you are our rescuer, that we, <laughs> that we are not defenseless, that we are not alone, that we yield again to you as according to your word, that you are the great deliverer out of even the hardest times. And if we feel like we're going through a nighttime, Lord, you enter in the middle of darkness and you will light up the day. God, I just pray that you would help us to yield freshly and newly to you this morning. And that if we come with a heavy heart, Lord, you, you said you'd give us a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So in the middle of this place, that if we, your children, are experiencing this heaviness, a spirit of heaviness, and it might linger on us, that you will give us a garment of praise this morning and remind you of us of your goodness, of your ability you are our God, and we are your people. And as your people, you never let us go. So if we've got that stuff, that tension, those things, that spirit of heaviness that lingers into us, God, help us just to let it go, to be in your presence this morning, to experience your presence and your goodness, and to know that you are the God who saves. You are the God who rescues. That every time we do send out an SOS, a cry for help, that you hear us and you answer prayer and you take care of every one of yours. So God, thank you for that. And thank you for the beautiful encouragement that there is from belonging to Christ this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. That's good stuff. Go. Yes, ma'am.
And we'll give God praise with it, yeah? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, praise the Lord. Yes, give him a hand. Yeah, go ahead. That's, that's good stuff. Anybody else? For those of you online, Miss Kathy Smith just testified to the goodness of, of God and his provision on their property for filling the well up that was dry with water. Rhea? So, uh, and thank you guys online for joining us. I know you couldn't hear that. Anybody else before we move? appreciate you listening to the Holy Spirit and sharing what he'd have you to share, Miss Kathy. Um, so, the good stuff. And that's, that really just leads right into the sermon. And that's how good God is. He does things like that. Um, last week, we came from Psalm 139, if you remember. And, and uh, if, you, if, you're, if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 6. That's where we'll actually start with today's content. But last week, we talked about Psalm 139. And I told you you can break it really easily into four different parts. And the second part deals with God's omnipresence, that he is everywhere. read to you um, a devotional from Oswald Chambers that, um, that shows us how God's care for us in his omnipresence, that it's not just physical places, but the places that we can go inwardly. You know, that sometimes we can go to places on the inside that are much higher than any mountain peak or deeper than the deepest ocean, and that God is also in those places, and sometimes he just has to bring stuff to light to deal with that we might be closer to him. So I found a beautiful example of that this week in um, Charles Stanley. Y'all know who Charles Stanley is, don't you? Okay. All right. Uh, it's supposed to be funny. If you don't, Charles Stanley is a preacher and has been for a very long time. And um, so Charles Stanley put out a devotional that I'm going to show you in just a second that I encourage you to look at this week. And Greg's going to send out a text for an invitation to this devotion in just a second. And this is a piece of it. And um, it just really exemplifies what David was saying in that second half or second portion of Psalm 139. And this is what he says. Um, Charles Stanley says, There was a time in his life when I faced a terrible impediment to my faith. I couldn't understand why I was struggling or why I was so agitated. Sometimes we're just agitated, don't even know why, yeah? That's just the truth. Um, Everything else in my life seemed to be going well, and I recall repeatedly praying for the Lord to help me trust him more. But for whatever reason, I could not break through the impossible wall that was keeping me from relying on him fully. Charles says that finally he asked some friends who were wise and loved God for help. And he said, I knew they would give me excellent counsel. And they committed to staying with me, praying and discussing the events of my life until the Father showed us what was going on and where my underlying anxiety was coming from. We met and talked over the course of a few days and I recounted everything I could recall about my personal history. I was determined not to run away from the problem, but instead to face it head on dealing with it once and for all. I told my trusted friends everything that I knew to tell them and held nothing back. Then one of my friends asked me a question that I'll never forget. He said, imagine your father just picked you up in his arms and held you. What do you feel? He went straight to the core of my problem, and I burst into tears. I could not stop weeping for quite a while. 
My father had passed away when I was only nine months old, and losing him at such a young age created a profound area of emptiness and fear and uncertainty within me that I didn't even realize was there. When I settled down, my friend asked again, Charles, what do you feel? I thought for a moment, and then I responded, I feel warm, secure, and accepted. I feel loved. For the first time, I understood that God loved me and that I could have a real personal relationship with him beyond salvation. Please realize I'd been preaching about the Lord's unconditional love all of my life. I believed it with my mind, but I never experienced it deep within my spirit until that day. Had I ever told myself that the Lord didn't really love me? No. Did I ever doubt God's love? No. So what was it within me that created that inability to experience the Father's love in a meaningful way? It was the need a little boy had for his earthly father that was never met. My mind learned to block out the pain, do without his physical presence, and survive. No one was at fault, but I needed my father. And that affected how my mind processed information about the Lord. The most amazing thing of all was that I had absolutely no idea that those self-protective thought patterns and underlying anxieties even existed until they were exposed. Imagining God holding me as an earthly father holds his little boy was just what I needed in order for him to, to overcome the roadblock. Suddenly my struggle with God made sense and I finally felt close to him, recognizing his presence in such an intensely tangible way, opened the floodgates of profound relief and joy and completely changed my entire life and ministry. This is what brings real light to Psalm 139 in that second section with God's omnipresence. He said, friend, you don't know what you don't know about yourself. None of us do. But uncovering hidden wounds and anxieties of our lives requires the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not something we'll be able to do in and of our own strength, who is able to examine and minister to each of us in extraordinary ways. Trust him to reveal those secret places of pain in you and deal with your anxiety once and for all. You know, David points to these inside places that God is in all of them. And one of those places that each of us can go to for... Um, a pretty regular um, amount of time, you know, in our lives is that place of anxiety, of uncertainty. You don't know what to do about what happened in the past or what to do about what's happening right here, right in front of us. That's why I'm saying your story about that well is just perfect. I don't know what to do in the middle of this struggle, this moment. And, um, and, and therefore, I don't know about my ability to bear up under it for the future. Well, what are we going to do? I have no idea, you know? And if you allow those thoughts to persist, and we don't somehow turn to a solution, then it causes this rise in anxiety. So the devotional that I'm encouraging everyone to go through in just a week, it's just a seven-day devotional. It's not a 21-day deal like Ephesians was. But um, our invitation that we're going to send by text is um, going to last just for a week. And um, our invitation is there. It lasts for a week. And I have a paper copy out front. If you want to take that, and then the invitation will go out for you to participate electronically. If you don't get that, you can go to our website, and it's right there on the home page. You don't have to go anywhere else. You can just click. It'll be a little button that looks just like that, Victory Over Anxiety, and complete it for, for seven days. So after going through that, I read through this devotional myself, and I consumed it in a day. You know, uh, I just, 
I was just reading, and it was good to me. And it just seems very pertinent for where our world is today. And um, so speaking of uh, today and where we are, um, anxiety is riding real high, and everything seems to be really contentious in our society. When you look, I'm going to go quickly with this. The, the um, definition of anxiety is your body's natural response to stress. Our emotions are a good thing, and God gives them to us for good reasons. And a lot of times when this um, stressful situation comes along, that emotion, that anxiousness, that um, stress, the tension is there for a reason. It triggers our flight-or-flight response, you know, if um, you happen to be one of those children who had to touch the stove to know that it was hot, right, um, later on, and that was me, and that's probably some of you, where um, the idea is that when danger is there, that we catch the idea that this is dangerous and we need to stay away from it. So all by itself, emotions are a really good thing. There's plenty of scriptural examples for that. You know, um, James will talk about our anger, to be angry but don't sin. Um, and here, that our emotions are a good thing, but we should have control over our emotions rather than our emotions having control over us. So um, it can be a fear, a uh, feeling of fear, apprehension about what's to come. I'm going to go down the Webster definition here, and there at the end, um, it can produce physical signs like tension, sweating, increased pulse rate. And this is the part of the definition from Webster that I want to focus on today is by doubt concerning the reality and nature of a threat. So I'm not sure how this thing is going to turn out. So doubt comes in and we're not really sure where to put this threat. And then by self-doubt, your capacity to cope, to deal with it. So you, you think about this situation with the well that Ms. Smith shared with us this morning. You know, here's by doubt. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what we're going to do about this. And... The results of what's going on right here, I don't know how I'm going to cope with this on the other side, you know? Am I going to have to dig the well somewhere else? Are we ever going to get water? I don't, you know, that kind of thing. So um, it, it plays into our definition. Um, a lot of people are struggling with this today um, and where we are. And I want to give you just a couple of examples um, that you understand that this year has just been tough, you know? And that if you are feeling things, even for the first time, you are not alone. I talked to somebody last night on the way out the door, and she was like, you know, it's just nice to know that this stuff that's rising up inside of me about thus and so, that I'm not alone in it. Listen to this. This is the Citizen Times out of Asheville. So this is North Carolina, and a um, study dealing with North Carolinians specifically. It's clear that the coronavirus has taken a tremendous toll on the health of North Carolinians, but experts say its impact on mental health has been significant too. The statewide symptoms of depression and anxiety have tripled. Look at somebody say tripled. You know, that's, that's crazy. It is, um, comes as the population grapples with uncertainty, isolation, and loss, social determinants of health that play a role in mental well-being. And they've also been affected by the pandemic, with many in unstable housing situations or out of work. Um, the president of the Western Carolina affiliate of the National Alliance on Mental Illness you know, can you imagine telling somebody, hey, what do you do? Well, I am the, you know, that's, that's a mouthful, you know. <laughs> this lady, she says that some folks are probably experiencing these things for the very first time, this level of anxiety and stress. So, um, and it says that many people have coping mechanisms that we would typically rely on, whether it's spending time with loved ones or going to the gym or um, group activities. All those things are less accessible due to health concerns. And it says, so in a typical year, one in nine people report 
And, and I, would, I would turn your attention to that word. That's just reported um, cases, um, symptoms of anxiety and depression. But for every week since April in 2020, one in three, so that's the statistic, have reported these types of symptoms. Barna Research, this is a Christian research organization that keeps up with the church. And it says this year, mental and emotional health have been dangerously strained. As Barna President David Kinnaman noted in a recent blog post, new research on relationships in America reveals that crucial issues have reached crisis points. Mental health is spiraling downward and the problem of loneliness is growing. Family and marriages are being strained and addictions are deepening. In this study, the, the, um, the idea is for us to turn to the Psalms, look at David, look at King David and what he wrote around grief and what he wrote around lamenting and to actually get in God's presence. And if you need to, you cry about things. You know, you tell the Lord what's going on on the inside. When you look at the state of our nation, right, to turn that back over to him. And really, at times, I myself, you know, looking at the state of our nation where we are, it shouldn't move us to prayer over our nation and over our direction, right? It shouldn't move us to that place rather than worrying about everything. So, and we're also right here in the middle of an election year where the outcome, either way it goes, the entire world is going to crumble, you know? That's what one side and the other side would have us to believe. If that other guy wins, you better be prayed up and ready because everything's going to crash down, you know? So it just, everything just seems to be riding high in our society. If you need any additional proof, Larry Gore, are you ready for this? Okay. <laughs> if you need any additional proof, you look no further than Guilford County. And I say that because he's worked for the sheriff's office for a long time. This is Guilford County pistol purchase permits. If you need any proof that people are physically and psychologically looking for security, look no further. This is Guilford County, a uh, um, comparison between April and July of last year as compared to this year. And these are the numbers right in front of you of pistol purchase permits in just that, that, um, that, that area of time um, from one year to the next. A 250% increase. 250% increase. That came as resources became scarce. People got scared somebody was going to come steal their toilet paper, right? You remember that. And then social um, justice, racial tension um, in the death of George Floyd really was a tipping point in some social unrest. So there again, it ticked right back up. So um, this has been a year where people are worried about stuff, just so worried about um, our nation and our culture the things that are going on. This is not even to mention the school system, what you parents are going through um, with that, trying to figure out what to do with your kids and how to keep them um, from losing mental capacity, you know, and how we're going to get through school for the next few months or whatever that might look like. You know, there's just a whole lot of stuff. And you have to fill in your own blanks with what is causing anxiety and tension to ride high. So in all of those things, I really um, appreciate. Now, Charles Stanley, this week, when you go through the study, he's going to point to Matthew chapter 6. And I pulled this one out because it's one, this is where Jesus, this is a Sermon on the Mount, and he's given models for life, models for living. He gives us, most all of us will know the model that he gives for prayer. This is the Lord's Prayer, and all of us could probably recite that. But it's not meant necessarily for us to memorize and then to recite. It's meant to be as a model that when we come into God's presence, we give him thanks. We 
tell him what we need. We ask for forgiveness and we forgive in that moment other people. We ask him to give us what we need today physically but then spiritually too and understand that he'll always do that and he always provides and we find that, right? And it gives us this attitude of gratitude in the presence of God to remember that he does provide for us and then he'll go through um, in that same, so this is a model for prayer. It's a model for prayer. And then just a little while later, he's given us a model for living. Um, and he spends time, just before we're going to pick up in 625, he spends time saying you cannot serve God and money. You can't have both of those things as a focal point of your life. And he's going to give this idea that we've got to set our sights on one thing and not be double-minded in the way that we um, in the trajectory of our lives. And he's going to say, therefore, I say to you, don't take thought for your life and what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, in order for your body and what you're going to put on. Is the life not more than meat and the body more than raiment? When he says, take no thought, he's saying, don't worry about these things. So he's going to go through and he's going to point to a couple of different examples that you probably know, the birds and the flowers. He's going to say, I provide for those things. So won't I provide for you? Aren't you much better than they are? So he's saying, don't take thought. So as we read through the rest of this, I want you to keep in mind, he didn't, he didn't say that the bird just sits on a branch and like manna from heaven and the children of Israel, that the pine needles and the seeds fall down to the bird and they don't have to move from their branch, you know? He's not saying don't work. He's not saying don't worry about what needs to be done for today and get the tasks done for today that need to be done. So the bird is out there and he's going. And as he's going, God shows him where to get food. And God shows that bird how to build his nest and exactly when to migrate somewhere else if it's necessary. And God cares for that bird in every moment-by-moment situation. You don't see the bird fidgeting their well, wings, you know, and trying to figure out, I just don't know where I'm going to get a seed today. They wake up and they find a worm. God shows them exactly where to go. So it's this idea that moment by moment, God naturally provides everything that we need. And therefore, we do not need to spend our lives focused on, on making sure that we can build a big enough pile that we don't need God. So instead, you focus on his righteousness and his kingdom. And that as we go, some of you know the new song, the blessing. And right at the end, there's this bridge that says, and may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you and within you. He is with you. That gets stuck in my mind, and I am so grateful for it because that is our God. This is the picture of it, that as we go, as we live our lives, moment by moment, that we don't have to spend time wringing our hands, even when the fire gets hot and the well is dry, right? We don't have to spend time wringing our hands, worried about whether or not God's going to come through this time. You know what it does? Is it provides a beautiful and truthful example when we've gone through the fire and the well is dry and God comes through, that next time we come to a really tough situation, next time we come to something that really worries us a lot, we point back and say, you know, he's always been faithful. You know? He's always come through somehow. Maybe not on my time. Well, it didn't fill up a week ago when I wanted it to. But he's an on-time God. And that gospel song says, yes, he is. Amen? Matthew chapter 6, behold the fowls of the air, look at the birds. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather in the barns. And yet your heavenly Father, he feeds them. Are you not much better than they are? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? This speaks to me on a personal level because I've never 
I've been a tall individual. I've been short every day of my life, right? And now that I'm in my 30s, it's never going to change, you know? <laughs> and I can close my eyes and I can hope and wish and pray all I want to that I go just grow a couple more inches. It ain't going to happen. You know what I mean? <laughs> Charles Stanley points out two things about this um, passage of Scripture just right here that I really... Uh, that I love, so I wanted to capture just for those of you who may not follow it all this week. Jesus did not deny that anxiety exists. And that is very important to note about this, that anxiety does exist, and he never said that worries would not well up on the inside of us, but he pointed out two significant truths that are important for us to note. And that is one, fear. Fear achieves nothing of value. Just to be worried and afraid about it not doing anything. And the second thing is trust in God diminishes fear. And that's the beautiful thing about kicking the can down the road, getting a little bit older, having gone through some stuff, that we have a greater capacity to trust in God because we've been through things that he's brought us through before already. And we can point to those things in the difficult times and say, you know, my kids might be out of school and things might be crazy right now, but God's provided. What am I missing? Great is thy faithfulness. All I have needed, your hand has provided. Amen? Man, find that place of gratitude and keep it moving. And why take thought for clothing? Man, what are we going to wear? I don't know. You know, what are we going to wear? Don't con- and then he says, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't toil. They don't spin. You've never seen a flower sowing something. And he says, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed or arrayed like one of these. So if God clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? He'll do it. He's faithful. So rather than wringing of the hands and pacing the floor or walking the church parking lot, you know, and... and Spending time in prayer, we've got to move from a place of prayer where we recite our worries into a place of prayer where we proclaim our trust in our God and praise. A garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He'll do that. So, how are we going to be clothed? What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? How's the end of this year going to turn out? What's next year going to look like? Is COVID going to shoot up in the winter? You know that old song? I'm going to get it wrong because I don't listen to it a whole lot. But the idea, Alison Krauss sings it. And um, it's beautiful. And she says, you know, I don't worry about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, something like that. But I know who holds tomorrow. Right? I appreciate that song. It says here, don't worry about those things. After all these things the Gentiles seek, what do we focus on with our lives and in our thoughts and in our minds and with the essence of who we are? Your heavenly Father knows of all the things that you have need of, he says. Now, 33, but seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God. Before you get up and take your iPhone and swipe left and look at the news feed, go to him first, you know. Don't go to the cesspool of worry. Go to his throne Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. 
Therefore, don't take thought. Don't worry about tomorrow because God's holding that, just like the song says. For tomorrow will take care of the things of itself sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. The Apostle Paul comes to us in Philippians chapter 4 and he's talking, he writes to the Philippian people and he's writing from prison, a place of difficulty all his own. And you guys probably know this scripture back and forth and I hope you do. And if you don't, I encourage you to do that. This is one of those right now to the end of the year, you probably ought to tape this one on your mirror somewhere so you don't forget it. Because you might know it, but it's not coming to mind because you're worried about stuff instead. He says, rejoice in the Lord. Look at somebody say, always. Always, again, I say rejoice. Rejoice, let your moderation be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. What he's saying here is be considerate in everything that you do. Be considerate in everything that you do. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. Now he's saying don't, he's not saying don't be careful. Um, In our day, the language is a little muddy, but he's saying don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry about anything. But, and the new versions here will say, instead, pray about everything, but in everything by prayer. So the idea here is do not worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. And I thought about it last night on the fly, and I was like, you know, that, the but here and the instead in the newer version, it denotes a replacement, right? Right? Not that we won't have worry, not that we won't have anxiety. So he's saying, don't take these things that well up on the inside of us and make a cyclical pattern in our minds and worry about the things that are troubling us. Don't worry about anything instead or replace. Replace with prayer. You know, it's like those moments you're sitting at the restaurant and every single one of y'all know what this is. And you've got in your mind the whole time bacon Swiss burger or whatever it is for you, you know. And then the waitress gets to the table and you're like, nope, buffalo chicken sandwich, you know? You replace just in that moment. And it's good for me to picture that in my own mind. As worry rises, tensions rise on the inside and I can't get my mind off of this stuff. It's time to make a replacement. We got to switch that stuff over. And what do I replace that with? And it is prayer. I replace that worry and that anxiety, that stuff that's rising on the inside of me. And I replace it with prayer. And not just prayer, but prayer and supplication with, look at somebody and say, thanksgiving. Find a thankful heart of gratitude to the Lord. Five years from now, something's going to go wrong. Find a place of gratitude. You remember that time that he filled the well up and we thought it was going to run dry? You know? And you put your own stuff in there. What it does is it takes this monster of a negative mindset And it just dissipates that stuff because it puts us in the presence of God and it reminds us of his goodness. It dispels the lies of the enemy that would say God's not coming through this time. It dispels those doubts and it brings about a real solitude in God's presence. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. What peace we often forfeit and we don't surrender everything to the Lord in prayer. The peace of God that passes all understanding. When we will live that kind of life, not worry, but take it to God in prayer and find that place of gratitude in his presence. 
The peace of God that passes understanding. It does not make sense for me to have peace in the middle of this stuff. You know, and what a witness to our communities, to our families, to everybody that we encounter in this day. If we walk in the peace of God while everybody else is pulling their hair out, it's going to cause some questions. How in the world do you have peace when the other guy might win? You know, how in the world do we have peace in the middle as a parent, maybe, of trying to homeschool and work a job and all that stuff too? How do you have peace when things just aren't right? What a witness it is. The peace that does not make sense will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He says finally, and he's going to deal with our thoughts and our thought patterns Whatever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, a good report, right? How the enemy loves to take some negativity and push the rewind button and let it play again. And push the rewind button and let it play again. You know what I'm saying? He'll do it. Where these things are just going in our minds and we can't get rid of them. It's hard sometimes when anxiety is riding high to let go of that stuff, right? Put your mind, redirect those thoughts to this place of good report. If there's anything of virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. That means this recipe of peace that the Apostle Paul has just laid out for the Philippian people is not something that just happens naturally in the carnal, fallen mind of human people. Do these things, and the God of peace will be with you. He gives us this recipe for peace. Number one is do not worry. Do not allow this worry to continue. Pray with thanksgiving. Make our request known. And he talks about guarding your thoughts. All of us know that where our mind continually stays, we will go that path in that direction. If our mind is continually on sinful action, it's going to end up happening, you know? If our mind is continually on worry and fear and anxiety, it's going to be hard when we lay our head down on the pillow to let that stuff go and go to sleep, you know? If our minds stay somewhere, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 10 all day. He says, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That as these things come across, I need to weigh them as according to the word of God. This thought or this thought pattern, what fruit is it going to produce in my life? And if it's not going to be in this idea of Matthew chapter 6 where I'm seeking God's kingdom first and his righteousness, then it is time for me to redirect those thoughts or that thinking or that path of thought and bring it to the obedience of Christ. This is not furthering my relationship with the Lord. What this is going to do is going to lead me further away from him if I continue to think like that. You know, y'all ever heard somebody say, what's in the well comes up in the bucket? Speaking of a well, you know. What's in there? What we continually think on, it comes up. It comes up and we live it out. Guard your thoughts. Guard your thoughts. True, honest, pure, lovely. Things that are good. Some days we might struggle to find that thing. Things that are of good report, be of virtue, things that are of praise, 
think on these things. And the fourth ingredient, I believe, in his recipe to peace, living a peaceful life in the Lord, in his presence, and not wringing our hands in worry, is to be about it. You know, he says, do, that you've heard. These things that you've heard, these things that you've seen in me, do these things. And what a beautiful example we have. This man is writing from prison and saying, hey, just rejoice in the Lord because he's got it. He's not falling off the throne. He's not out of control, and he knows what's going on, right? Man, he's still God, and I'm still his, right? I can do these things, not worry. Replace that with prayer, a prayer of thanksgiving, making our needs known to God. Yes, we can do that. Guarding our thoughts to not, not develop negative patterns of thinking and to be about doing that. To guard our hearts, guard our minds in the Lord Jesus. Keep that armor on, right? And gain the victory over anxiety in this day. Even right now, 2020, where we are. Let's pray, yeah? So God, thank you for who you are, for your goodness. Thank you that um, though anxiety might ride high, that you are a God who enables us that that thing will not control us and control our lives and control our families and have us in such a way where um, we lose sight of you and what you want. And we lose sight of the beautiful opportunities that come with uh, tribulation. I'm just reminded, Lord, thank you for the book of James that you um, inspired to understand that when the fire gets hot, that we let patience have its perfect work, that you make us complete and entire, not wanting anything, understanding that you are God and in control and you take care of us. God, we do look at the birds and we look at the flowers and we see your great care and your hand of protection and, um, and, and guidance for both of those. And we know that we are much better than those things. You gave us real intelligence and you made us to be um, with you, with you and in relationship with you. And you've never left and not one time have you changed. We recognize you as immutable. You do not change. So if you've been God and you've been good in the past, you're God and you're good today. So God, help us to rest in your presence, to rest in the truth of your word, to have and tap into that peace that you have provided to us that passes all understanding that everything might be going wrong right now in this carnal way of thinking. But at the end of the day, we know that you are a God who brings all things together for the good, for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And we've seen it happen before and you'll do it again. You will do it again. And Lord, I'm looking forward to the day that we can look at the front and the back half of 2020 and say, man, that whole situation just worked out to our good for my family and for our church and this um, community that we're in. God, I look forward to the ways that we'll be able to do that. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your goodness. And Lord, I thank you that the hotter the fire is, the purer that refined gold is on the other side, like 1 Peter tells us. Lord, you are good. You don't change, and we just rest in who you are and trust you. Trust you. God, help us to, um, as we went through Ephesians, as we look at Psalm 139, as we consider Matthew chapter 6, God, help us to really have um, a good and solid understanding of your care for us. I know the enemy would have us so distracted that we wouldn't see it, that we wouldn't know it that there might be things or anxieties we don't even know that we have existing on the inside of us like Charles Stanley was saying you know that we don't experience your love um, in a real way God I pray that you would enable every single one of us to to um, 
recognize the truth of your word. God, even the things that we don't know, like David said, if you would just help us, Lord, search us out. Bring those things that keep us apart from you to light that we can be um, in the relationship that you meant for us to have with you. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word. And thank you for the beautiful encouragement that it is to belong to Christ this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.